Welcome to the Mike Ricksecker Audio Journey on MikeRicksecker.com. Welcome to the last Mike Ricksecker Audio Journey podcast of the decade. Really appreciate everybody that's been hanging out, tuning in, and uh, exploring with us, because that's what we do. We explore a lot of paranormal and supernatural topics, and every once in a while we do a movie review or a book review or something of that nature, which is what we're going to do with this particular episode. Close everything out, do something a little bit more fun, and do a review of Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. It's still kind of keeping in with that, um, well, you know, we get into aliens and, and things of that nature occasionally here on the podcast. So, hey, I mean, Star Wars universe is loaded with aliens, but, you know, a lot of people that are into um our particular interests are also into sci-fi as well. So we're going to jump down this rabbit hole. Uh, there is some controversy <laughs> surrounding this movie franchise if you've been following for a while and are a fan. Um, so we're going to get into all that. I will let you know ahead of time there are definitely going to be some spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie yet and you don't want to get spoiled, then I would suggest just kind of you know, listening to one of our other podcasts, I uh, will say thank you for uh, all the support over, you know, the well, the past decade, right? <laughs> Especially over the past year, things have been uh, uh, absolutely amazing. We have the new book coming out, A Walk in the Shadows, uh, next month, uh, January 21st is when it's due out, so please go ahead and check that out. It's available for pre-order now, so a complete guide to shadow people, so um, for those of you, again, that don't want to be spoiled, please go ahead and turn it now because we're going to dive right into Rise of Skywalker. And I will say that, yes, I did really enjoy this movie. And there seems to be this, um, this divide that those who did not like Last Jedi uh, and liked Rise of Skywalker just want fan service. And that uh, those who like really appreciated what Ryan Johnson did in uh, The Last Jedi don't like Rise of Skywalker because it went right back to what J.J. Abrams was doing with Force Awakens. Now, Force Awakens was really like a New Hope clone. There were a couple of you know differences. Of course, it's later in the storyline and all that, but it was really almost a carbon copy of A New Hope, and you could use the argument that history repeats itself, but from a movie-making standpoint, this is what I'll say about that and, and move on, is that I think because the prequel movies were so poorly received uh, by, by the fans and by the audience that they had to do something to restore the faith of the franchise. So they went with a storyline that they knew that worked. They brought in the old characters, introduced new ones. It basically was an introduction to, um, you know, 30 years later, here we go. And, um, you know, that worked. That, that basically reinvigorated the fan base. And now it was like, okay, they've got us interested again. You know, bring on The Last Jedi. And Last Jedi, to me, I did not care for Last Jedi. And again, I know people are going to say, well, you know, you just want fan service. And it's not about that. Okay, it's about 
the story. And yes, Ryan Johnson was definitely doing different things with Last Jedi. But just because you're doing something different doesn't mean it's a good different. I appreciate different things. And the idea of, hey, the fleet is running out of fuel is is different and i and i liked that aspect kind of it, it does in a way harken back to the millennium falcons hyperdrive not functioning properly but something that never really ever gets addressed in the star wars universe is the fact that uh the yeah, they seem to have unlimited resources that they're always flying around jetting around everywhere um so i appreciated that and i know we're gonna get to rise of skywalker i just kind of need to preface with last jedi here a little bit um because of the controversy right so i i appreciated that difference but this the whole story arc with finn bb8 rose going out to the casino and you know trying to hunt down the code breaker etc 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 it amounted to a hill of beans it became nothing and as a viewer I don't want you to waste my time. And that's essentially when I go back and I watch that movie now, because, you know, before we're going to see Rise of Skywalker, you know, you, of course, you, you watch the the movies that came beforehand. And, and to me, Last Jedi is just drudgery because of the fact that I know when we go through that part of the story, it is for nothing. Nothing comes of it. So it is a waste of my time as a viewer. Um, you know, as a writer, you know, there's a, there's a school of thought that when I'm putting the words on the paper, every word has a purpose, that every word that I put in this book is driving the story and has a point and a purpose to it to continue on with the story and bring the reader to the next uh, to the next point in time, the next place, the next part of the story. And what they what he did in Last Jedi, what Ryan Johnson did in Last Jedi with that story arc that goes nowhere is waste our time. That all of that has absolutely no point. And so you can make arguments about uh, Rose, what they did with what they did with Luke, and how it was out of character for Luke, the burning of the tree, all that stuff, all controversial things. You know, trying to make whatever higher point or whatever. Um, you know, people will debate those different things, but just from a viewer's point, you wasted my time. So coming back to Rise of Skywalker now, as we get into this story, it yes, it does appear that J.J. Abrams kind of scrapped most of what happened in Last Jedi, just didn't really recognize it. There were a couple of references back to it. Of course, Snoke is gone. Um, Poe does uh, make a point to bring up the the battle that happened and how there were no uh, nobody responded to the calls of help. And I could dive deep into that, that how nobody responding to those calls for help didn't make any sense. But again, that's a, <laughs> that would have been a review for for Last Jedi. Um, so those are just a couple of spots where they reference Last Jedi, but it does look like it's kind of okay. We're glossing over it. Yeah, it's it's a movie in the trilogy, but we're not really going to talk about that. Uh, Rise of Skywalker, for me, um, it made me start to care about these characters. You know, like I said a little bit ago, Force Awakens kind of introduced us to these characters, and it was like, okay, okay, you know, they had the old trio there. You know, they had Princess Leia, Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, of course, Chewbacca's there. 
<clears throat> C3PO, R2D2 kind of came in at the end. So we've got the old characters there, and they're kind of a supporting cast as they introduce these new characters to us. That these new characters are going to continue on the story. Okay, great. So it's an introductory. The storyline is very familiar, so reinvigorates the fan base. Now we're looking forward to, uh, you know, the next movies. And Last Jedi turned out to be a waste of time for me, so I I wasn't caring about these characters. Um, you know, a little bit going on there with with Ray, and I'm interested in her development and story arc. But everybody else, because it was a colossal waste of time, um, I didn't care. So. Rise of Skywalker made me start to actually care about these characters. You could see how some of these different characters evolved. Um, so, you know, Poe, he was, you know, the hot-headed guy. And, you know, he's in Rise of Skywalker. He still had, you know, that, that trait a little bit, but not as hot-headed as he had been earlier on. Last Jedi, he was just off the charts ridiculous. Um, you know, if, if it was a... Any sort of real military type of environment, of course, being a guy that was in the military, um, he would have been imprisoned. He'd be taken to the brig, and that would have been that. You know, <laughs> he would have been allowed to still run amok. That whole, you know, report to your post by holdo. No, um, so he was just insane in Last Jedi. So it reined it in for Rise of Skywalker, and to me became a more believable character. He still had his his wise cracks and his wits, his wit, and you know he was still daring and dashing and all that stuff, but not over the top. And so to me, um, you know, they ended up making him like the de facto leader after Leia passed away. But um, to me, this movie kind of showed how his character had evolved from all the way back in Force Awakens and started to rein it in and become a bit more of a leader type. Um, Finn is another one that, um, you know, evolved a lot in this where instead of running uh, away from the battle, uh, now he's running into the battle. I'm going to take down this this Star Destroyer, you know, we're, we're gonna, this command ship. We're going to make it happen, where before he was always running. So you see Finn being a much stronger character. Of course, there's all the development with, uh, with Rey and, you know, learning uh, where her position is in the Force and in the story um, and her relationship to uh, Palpatine. Uh, and of course, you know, Kylo Ren and how, you know, his forever back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, um, you know, has that very redemptive moment, of course, with with Han, with the, with the ghost of his father, um, you know, which really, again, kind of comes full circle. A lot of people will say some of that is is fan service, the whole I love you, I know. Uh, but that's kind of been a recurring thing, you know, throughout, I mean, was it fan service in Return of the Jedi for Leia to say it to Han when Han had said it to Leia uh, back in Empire? I mean, you know, movies are going to play off of, you know, when you have a series like this, movies are going to play off of each other again and again and again. So you're going to have some of that. Sure, there are fan service moments. Uh, Luke raising the X-Wing out of the water, you know, where now he's the master like Yoda had been. And now finally Luke gets to raise his own X-Wing out of the water. So all, yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, some of the snippets of like, you know, at the end there where they're celebrating and they show Ewoks and, 
you know, they're trying to cram as many <laughs> old faces in there as they can. It's like, okay, yeah, there is some of that. Um, but I think to say that this movie was exclusively fan service, I think is, um, is just, is disingenuous, you know, cause most of it was not, um, you know, yeah, they show Tatooine at the end. They go to a desert planet, but it's not Tatooine. Um, you know, the, the water-based planet with the Death Star. Sure, they're visiting the Death Star. Um, so, but to me, a, a place like the old Death Star is going to be a place that's going to have, you know, this this wayfinder that they're trying to find. Um, now, bringing Palpatine back into this, um, you know, is <laughs> is that conceivable that he survived the Death Star? Well, I mean, they even make a reference back to the prequel trilogy for as as much as everybody hated the prequel trilogy they make a reference back to that um about you know dark side has aspects that are unnatural so could he i mean all we did we see vader throw him down a pit and we've seen how many people survive coming up out of a pit you know through any of these movies they they seem to not ever hit the bottom <laughs> or they catch themselves or whatever it is um they survive these falls so it's conceivable of course there was a death star that was supposed to be blowing up around him but did he get to the bottom of that shaft and find a escape pod out somewhere I, who knows somehow he made it out of there so i do question you know i'm, I'm not gonna just say everything was absolutely wonderful about Rise of Skywalker. You know, I do question some different things like, you know, the enormity of this Final Order fleet. Where in the world did that come from? You know, what, you know, has it been like 30 years? They've been behind the scenes. Just, you know, they, they threw a little bit of uh, their forces out there uh, to kind of muck around in, in the universe. And, you know, behind the scenes, they're amassing this enormous fleet and, Who's manning these things? You know, where did they get these people to man these, you know, thousands of ships? You know, it's, um, to me, that was a little much. Um, and these, I, I, what were they? Um, you know, these followers of the Sith, these this this hidden Sith cult, you know, where did all these people come from? Um, you know, what, what we've learned along the way is that when it comes to the Sith, there's there's two, a master and an apprentice. So I don't know who these people chanting in the auditorium were. Uh, I'm guessing they were supposed to be some sort of Sith followers. Um, something that, that gets overlooked within the trilogy. Um, Yoda makes a remark in Revenge of the Sith that the, the whole prophecy, bringing balance to the Force, you know, maybe it was misinterpreted. And I, I agree with him on that. I don't think a lot of people ever really think of it that this prophecy of Anakin bringing balance to the force they didn't understand what that was so back then back in during the prequel time with uh, the new republic um and when it starts off they didn't even realize a sith was around you know they were supposed to be around they're supposed to be in a master and apprentice but they remained hidden and nobody was aware that they were around until really um you know, attack of the clones. They get a night. I mean, they, they know somebody's behind the mess with the Trade Federation and Phantom Menace. Attack of the clones. They know now that it's a, um, you know, that's a Sith Lord somewhere. They don't know who it is. Um, but again, Master and Apprentice. So that's two on the Sith side. How many hundreds of Jedi are there? I mean, they might even be thousands, at least hundreds, right? So there's no balance to that. So if Anakin is going to bring balance to the Force, 
and the Sith only keeps two on their side, then that means that the Jedi have to come down to two. So the prophecy was right. Anakin came along, and uh, there was the great Jedi purge and obliterated everybody except Yoda and Obi-Wan. So it was two on each side, uh, Yoda and Obi-Wan, who ended up going to hiding, much like the Sith had been in hiding for a while. And on the Sith side, it was the, was the Emperor and Vader, two on two. Anakin brought balance to the Force. So if that's true then, then where did all these other Sith come from in, uh, in Rise of Skywalker? I don't know who these people are. You know, so that, to me, was, was a little odd. Um, so something I've seen on Twitter lately um, is people uh, bashing the uh, the use of Rose that she was not used in um, in Rise of Skywalker for all of like a minute and a half, or I think maybe it was a minute and twenty two seconds, whatever it was of, of actual screen time that she was on. Um, and I, I get it, you know that the scenes that she was in, she was on there for. 10, 12 seconds here, you know, 15 seconds there. It adds up to a minute 22. She was in, she was in several scenes, but they weren't, you know, all that important. She was not on the, the big quest. And to me, I was okay with that. Now, Rose is credited with the line in, um, you know, The Last Jedi about, you know, you know, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm going to butcher the exact line, but basically it's not defeating the, you know, the people uh, we hate, but saving the people we love, or whatever—it's something like that. It's a nice line, okay? It it is a very nice line, um, but when she did that, saving Finn, it defeated the purpose of what they were doing at the time. And you know, this is like one of the things that Johnson is is credited with is is that line in Rose saving Finn and all that. And actually, to me, it's it's a bullcrap moment because. You have to think about what is going on at the time. And I, and I think that's, you know, the people that support The Last Jedi, I think, this, I, I think they just don't realize what in the world is happening here. Okay, so, you know, they are, it, they're on the not Hoth planet. You know, and <laughs> talk about fan service. Come on, that was Hoth. Except that we're going to say that it's salt instead of snow. I mean, it's the whole same setup where they got the blast doors and all that. Come on. It's in the trenches and yeah. Come on, it's Hoth. They bring out the uh, the Adat walkers, and it's Hoth. Okay, <clears throat> we're calling it crate. Is that it? Okay. In any case, so they bring out these rust buckets that make no sense because they don't actually really fly. They have a ski that comes down to create a bunch of drag, um, which I, the miles per gallon on that has to be ridiculous, uh, ridiculously low. I mean, but basically, I guess these things are supposed to. The idea is they're some sort of service um, flight uh, plane or whatever for the salt there. I'm not really sure because they're not assault fighters, okay? There aren't any weapons on these things. I mean, watch the fight. When they go in there, they're flying them at the AT-AT walkers and at this massive gun. Um, Finn describes it as Death Star Tech. It's a miniaturized Death Star weapon. Um but the things that they're flying out there with have no weapons. So what's the plan here, folks? You're, you're flying out there with these, with these fighters. They're not fighters. They're out, the, out there with these, this craft, these crafts that have no weapons. 
It's a kamikaze suicide run. Okay? That's it. That's it. It's a it's a kamikaze suicide run because they have no weapons. So the idea is for one of these people to get up there close enough to fly the craft into the weapon. So Finn was was doing the plan. He was doing what they had planned to do, which was fly the craft into the weapon because their crafts had no weapons. So Rose basically um, didn't follow orders and you know stopped the plan from happening just because it was Finn. So I mean, if it was um, you know Joe Schmo who we didn't get a uh, introduction to. Um, that had no name. I mean, if he would have done it, that would have been okay. Rose wouldn't have saved him, but just because it's Finn, she saved him. Um, but yeah, the whole plan was to to do that. So there, to me, there's way too much credit given to to Rose for that. I mean, if you think about her part of Last Jedi, she participated in this this running about a casino and then a star destroyer that had no purpose. And then she stopped the plan from happening that they had from saving the people on um, on crate there. So it, it didn't make sense. Uh, none of that made sense to me. So her getting a lesser part in Rise of Skywalker, to me, I was indifferent. You know, I didn't care one way or the other. If, if she was running around with them, I, I probably would have been okay with it. I mean, I just, I didn't care is a thing. Yes, she had a nice line in um, in Last Jedi, but as far as her, her character, and I mean, you can you could say all the nice things about, um, they, they introduced a, you know, minority, uh, you know, a minority main character that was, you know, she was an Asian woman, all, and that, all that stuff is wonderful. I'm happy they did that in Last Jedi, but as far as like, progressing the story that's what it comes down to you know throwing all these nice frills in there about you know recognizing this type of person or making a nice line over here and we're doing something different whatever you need to drive the story it needs to make sense for the story okay that's what people go and watch movies for that's why they read books for the story (laughs) so the story has to make sense um, and that's what I liked about Rise of Skywalker was that, you know, we were, and they jam-packed a lot into there. A lot of people that, you know, uh, kind of have a, a little bit of a grief with the same, and they really just kind of were rushing through a lot and they packed it. They did, they did pack a lot into it. Um, but as they were moving about the universe, going from planet to planet and ending up in these all, you know, different high stakes, um, you know, adventures, you know, it was moving the plot. It was moving the plot, moving the plot instead of a, you know, run around here to a couple different locations that makes no difference whatsoever to the plot. That's big. Um, yeah, sure. Again, there was some fan service when they were running around and the Star Destroyer kind of, it definitely harkened back to, uh, running around the Death Star and a new hope. Um, so you, you got a little bit of that. Yes, um, it's not as over the top as a lot of the reviews out there make it to be, uh, but I think it was. I I do think it was done well. And again, you know, I started to care about these characters. You know, redemptive moments for um, 
for for Ben Solo and you know Ray finding out she was a Palpatine. You know that was a nice little twist. I do kind of question who in the world did Palpatine impregnate <laughs> to create his his child that would have you know you know given birth to Ray. It's like what, who's <laughs> You know, who was his, I, I, I guess, I don't even know if it was a wife, but who was his woman? Because <laughs> I just have a hard time imagining that one. Um, but apparently he impregnated somebody to, to create a lineage that ended up becoming Rey. Um, so you have a Palpatine ended up taking on a Skywalker name. So um, the whole life force exchange between, you know, Rey and Kylo and then Kylo back to Rey, um, that was some nice symmetry. You know, and kind of a new ability that um, I mean, we've, we've read about in the expanded universe, the healing abilities. We've seen it in, you know, we've just seen it in The Mandalorian with the baby Yoda. Um, and now on the big screen with Rise of Skywalker. So um, I think that wrapped it up nicely. It took really until this last movie for me to really start caring about these new characters. The group hug there at the end. Again, people scream fan service, but you know that's what they were doing at, at the end of Return of the Jedi. You know, um, you know the the friends got together and they hugged it out, and you know we did it, which would be true of any situation like that. We're going to get together and we're going to you know celebrate. We're going to be sad for our losses, but you know we're going to uh, you know celebrate the the victory as well. You know, so that's and, and I think that's what people kind of forget. You know, they, they're chalking things up to fan service, and it's like. There, there are elements in storytelling that are true for all good stories. And so, you know, you could, you could draw parallels to thousands of different movies uh, and, and they're all going to be there. I mean, that's what, you know, Joseph Campbell did with his hero's journey. You know, you're going to find those elements in all these different stories. So you can, you can scream and rant about fan service, but it's just, it's part of storytelling, you know. So, yeah, there are some things thrown in there for the fans, and, you know, you're going to have that in any series at all. Um, you know, any any long-range series like this that goes three, four, this one's nine movies, you're going to have things that harken back to the old ones. But, um, yeah, to me, I enjoyed it. Uh, I really liked it. Like I said, it made me care about these new characters. I think it served the, uh, the old characters well, the ones that have now... Um, some of them literally have, you know, passed on, but passed on within the movie universe, you know, and now it's a, and now it's a new generation. So our, our three main characters are gone and there's a new three main characters, you know, that's kind of, uh, kind of what it comes down to, you know, um, and you got to see some, some old characters play a significant role like C3PO, um, you know, had, had a bit more to do in this one. And, uh, you know, it was nice to see him play a part again, even though you got creepy red eyed on us. <laughs> um, okay. One other thing here before we wrap it up for the year, and that is Ray's lightsaber being yellow at the end. And I've seen a lot of, I guess it's the newer generation trying to relate this to, uh, the color of somebody's lightsaber from one of these cartoons that are that are out there and really it has nothing to do with that you know people have been complaining about rise of skywalker and fan service and really guys 
this is the ultimate fan service. You don't even realize it. Okay, so let's educate the, the newer generation a little bit here. Okay, a new hope was not always a new hope. When I went to first go see it, you know, that A New Hope, at, it wasn't there. It was not in episode four. It was just Star Wars. They've done a lot of things over the years to uh, bring the movies up to date and enhance them. You know, uh, if you go back to the original cuts and see what they looked like, Luke's lightsaber was yellow. And if you go back and watch A New Hope, you'll see that it's not really blue. Uh, I think they've done a few things over the years to kind of enhance and add a little bit of a blue hue to it. And in some cases, it almost looks like a whitish. And I think they try to, you know, get away with saying, well, you know, it's, it's really it's really Anakin's, you know, because they had to bring it up to speed with the with the prequels as they went and they digitized everything. Um, they added special effects. They tried to tie a lot of things back in with the prequel movies that, that they created. And so they, they did a few things to make it a little bit more of a blue hue so that it seemed like this is the same lightsaber that Anakin was using in the prequel movies. And then they did make it blue in Empire Strikes Back. And the handle, of course, was the same, but the color, you, know, you got to remember back in 1977, this was a very new special effect that they were trying to pull off um and you know you look at the lightsaber battle between darth vader and obi-wan i mean yeah i mean the style is very rigid sure but look at you know the weird stuff that obi-wan's lightsaber kind of does there in some of the frames and you know it's not as smooth it's not as fluid it, it looks a little weird in some places, and that's because of the technology. And so Luke's lightsaber was originally yellow. In fact, my uh, Luke Skywalker toy that I had, uh, I had uh, I had a ton, <laughs> a ton of the toys growing up, uh, the original Millennium Falcon uh, and, and all of that, um, and I still have that. And Luke's lightsaber was yellow in that toy because that's the way it looked in the movie. It looked yellow. So this, to me, is really the ultimate fan service that a lot of people just don't even realize. Making Ray's lightsaber yellow harkens back to the original cut of A New Hope. And so there you go. To me, that's why her lightsaber is yellow. I mean, you're ending right there on Tatooine. She's burying the old lightsabers uh, at the um, at the homestead of where uh, Lars and Beru live, where Luke lived for a time, and uh, Lars and Beru and Owen. <laughs> uh, right. So um, yeah, so that's to me that's why it's yellow. All right. So on that note, as I get everybody's names confused i mean it was lars's homestead and then owen and peru were the younger ones and the ones that raised luke yes i know all right <laughs> uh, so and i'll say the watching the sons at the end was a, a nice way to end the uh the sequels so all right that is it for 2020. Really absolutely appreciate everybody sticking with us through uh, these years. The podcast has been kind of new here over the last couple of years, but it's been a fantastic decade. 
Of course, uh, coming into 2020, we have from Hunter Road Media a couple new books coming out. So Ghost of the Black Hawk War, um, which is coming out January 14th. And then my book, A Walk in the Shadows, A Complete Guide to Shadow People on January 21st, which is available for pre-order now. So you can actually go out there, pre-order that, um, both the uh, paperback edition and Kindle is now available for pre-order as well. So, all right, everybody, have a fantastic new year. We will see you in 2020. Till next time.